Tonight our Advent reading is from the Gospel of St. Luke, the first chapter, beginning at verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fell upon, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or drink strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, 
The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with this Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold... When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months, and then returned to her home. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this evening's message is from Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. This is the word of the Lord. A little girl was telling her baby brother the story of Christmas. She said, Jesus was born just in time for Christmas up at the North Pole, surrounded by eight little reindeer and the Virgin Mary. Then Santa Claus showed up with lots of toys and stuff and some swaddling clothes. And the three wise men and the elves all sang carols while the little drummer boy and Scrooge helped Joseph trim the tree. In the meantime, Frosty the snowman saw the star in the east. Here endeth the reading. Now, you may shake your head at such silliness and chuckle a little bit, but it kind of demonstrates the confusion that often occurs in the minds of people between the two competing Christmas stories that we have. The coming of Jesus as the Savior of the world and the coming of Santa as the benevolent gift giver to boys and girls who are not naughty, but who are nice. Well, tonight we want to clarify some of the confusion that centers around good old St. Nick, 
For Santa Claus has become the stuff of fairy tales and has been influenced in so many ways by pagan notions. Most of us have heard of Santa Claus, and we've heard of him referred to as Saint Nick or Saint Nicholas. And in fact, that's where the name comes from. For you see, Santa is a word for saint, and Claus is a shortened form in Dutch for the word Nicholas. And so Santa Claus is really Saint Nicholas. Now, Saint Nicholas is not a fairy tale or the creation of an imaginative animator. Saint Nicholas was actually a person born around 270 A.D. It is believed that Saint Nicholas died on December the 6th, 343. In parts of Europe, particularly Belgium, the Netherlands, Luxembourg, and some German-speaking areas, December 6th is known as Saint Nicholas Day. And on the eve of St. Nicholas Day, so on December the 5th, children leave letters for St. Nicholas and carrots or grass for the donkey or horse to eat that he rides on. And in the morning on December the 6th, they wake up and they find small presents under their pillows or in their shoes or stockings or on plates that they've set out for him. Oranges and chocolate coins are common treats that represent St. Nicholas's legendary rescue of three impoverished girls but more about that story or that rescue in a moment or two. Nicholas was born into a wealthy family in Asia Minor, which is now modern-day Turkey. Having become a Christian, Nicholas chose to pursue a life dedicated to the church and not to the pursuit of wealth or riches. It is said that following the death of his parents, who were actually quite wealthy, Nicholas distributed all of their wealth to the poor. He eventually became the bishop, the bishop of a maritime city called Myra, which is modern-day Demri in Turkey. Myra was a decadent and corrupt city, and Nicholas became well-known in the city by his pious hard work in the preaching of Jesus Christ as Savior of the world. St. Nicholas was also well-known for his love for those in need, especially impoverished widows and orphan children. He made sure that the church made it a priority to serve that part of the city's population. Now, there's one story, and maybe some of you have heard this famous story about the benevolence of St. Nicholas. There was a man in the city of Myra that had three daughters. But being poor, this father did not have enough money to provide his daughters with a suitable dowry necessary for marriage. And without being able to marry, they were probably looking at a life where they would have to sell their bodies as prostitutes. Well, Nicholas was troubled deeply by this father's plight and the plight of these young women, and so Nicholas decided to act, but he did so anonymously. Drawing from his own resources, St. Nick prepared three bags of gold, and on three successive nights under the cover of darkness, St. Nicholas went to the man's house and he threw a bag of gold into an open window one bag of gold each evening for the three daughters, enough to provide the dowries they needed. Later, when this story was told in colder regions, Nicholas was portrayed as dropping the bags of gold down the chimney. That's where we get this idea of Santa coming down the chimney. 
You see, the scene of Nicholas's secret gift-giving has become one of the most popular scenes in Christian devotional art. It appears on icons and on frescoes in churches across Europe. There are other stories of Nicholas helping people. For example, there were three soldiers who were falsely accused of a crime and then sentenced to death, and Nicholas stepped up and, and spoke in their defense and was able to secure their release, and he gave them back their lives. We could go on and on about the benevolent stories of St. Nicholas, but he was also stalwart defender of the faith, even amid persecution. It was under the Roman emperor Diocletian who ruthlessly persecuted Christians that St. Nicholas himself was exiled and imprisoned. It was also quite possible that St. Nicholas was a participant at the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD, where the Christian church affirmed and confirmed their belief in the triune God and especially focused on that truth that Jesus is both true God and true man. But whether or not St. Nicholas was actually at the Council of Nicaea, he was a defender of such a faith. He believed in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one true God, the triune God. He believed that Jesus is both truly God and truly man, the only Savior of the world who can rescue us from Satan's sin and death. St. Nicholas baptized people into the name of this true God, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Nicholas, as a preacher, proclaimed Jesus from the pulpit and pointed people to Jesus as the one, the Lamb of God, who would take away the sins of the world. And as a bishop, he absolved people of their sins in the name of the Prince of Peace. He fed congregants, Jesus' body and blood, as they came to the Lord's Supper. You see, this is the real St. Nicholas. He wasn't a kindly old elf taking people's attention away from Jesus, but instead... He was a Christian preacher pointing people to Jesus. He wasn't one who made a list and checked to see if children or adults were naughty or nice. No, he knew that all people were sinners in need of a Savior. And so he proclaimed Jesus as that Savior. By God's grace, the love of Christ shone forth in St. Nicholas's preaching and in the way that he lived his life. In many ways, St. Nick was a little Christ to the people in Myra. His life and his ministry exemplified the words of St. Paul with which I began this message. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. St. Nicholas sacrificed his own resources to save three young women from a life of prostitution and poverty. Is that not what Jesus did for us, but on a much grander scale? Jesus sacrificed and gave of himself for us to rescue us from being eternally violated by death and the devil. Jesus redeemed us, not with bags of gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. Likewise, Nicholas stood in to defend those who were facing death, risking his own name and his own reputation. Is that also not what Jesus does for us? He stood between us and eternal death on the cross and thereby kept us from having to suffer the most capital of all punishments. 
Furthermore, the Bible says that Jesus continues to stand before the Father as our advocate, speaking in our defense, responding to every charge laid against us, reminding his Father that by his death on the cross and his resurrection, our sins are forgiven and we are righteous in God's sight. The same love of Christ that moved St. Nick to be generous and caring and compassionate is at work in us as well. For in our baptism, the stingy, self-absorbed and callous old man was drowned and a new person was birthed. And that's why we give generously of ourselves in service to the Lord, isn't it? That's why we serve others and come to the defense and aid of those who are in need, not only at Christmas time, but throughout the year as we live our lives to give God the glory, for he is the giver of every good and perfect gift. Indeed, every present that we give, every act of kindness that we carry out, is a sign and a testimony of that greatest gift of all, the Christ child in a lowly manger. Hidden in the swaddling cloths of Jesus' humanity dwells the fullness of the Godhead full of grace and mercy. Jesus is God's love in the flesh for you and for me. And there is no greater gift than that. So yes, Virginia, in the words of that song, yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. His name is St. Nicholas. And he loved the incarnate Son of God. It was for Jesus that St. Nick devoted and lived his life. And as one who died believing in Jesus as his Savior, he continues to celebrate and worship the same Savior that we do, only in heaven. If St. Nicholas were to be with us this evening, he would no doubt proclaim, Friends, believe in the babe born in Bethlehem and serve him with your life. There is no greater gift on earth that a person can receive and there's no greater gift on earth that you can give to someone else. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.